Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by ironcompany.com. Today, we're here with Dr. Ryan Chow, physical therapist and personal trainer. He's the founder of Reload, a physical therapy and performance company based out of New York City. Uh, welcome to the podcast today, uh, Dr. Chow. What's going on, guys? I'm honored to be here with you guys. All right, yeah, thanks. Thanks for hanging out. So... First of all, let's back up a little bit. Tell us the, the story. You, you and Marty have known each other for a while. So how did all that come to be? Uh, I mean, I met Marty very fortunately at a continuing education course by uh, my mentor, Craig Levinson. Uh, he's a back pain expert and a rehab expert, health and longevity expert. Who's, uh, he was teaching in Washington, D.C. I traveled to go see, uh, see him over there and learn from him. And he brought in Marty as a special guest and in like a f maybe 30 to 45 minute presentation, Marty blew me away with like gem after gem after gem after, and I still use the techniques and the ideas he taught me that day um, right now. And, and uh, you know, I've been trying to continue learning from him since, and it's, it's been a very fortunate and amazing uh, relationship that I've been able to, to meet Marty. Damn. There you go, boy. Makes you sound good, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think we can end the show there. Marty, do you agree, do you agree with all that? Well, I don't know. It's a little, he's a little understated. <laughs> well, you know, here's the, here's the bigger question, and this is one I've never really figured out. Um, I don't know why Craig was – these guys have a strange fascination with me. It's, it's strange. And, you know, and I, you know, I knew uh, Stu too, Stu McGill. I consider Stu a friend. So <clears throat> I, I just, I've had this strange attraction toward, uh, what do you, what would you, uh, where's the inner relationship, Ryan? What, what is it that, uh, you and know, what Ryan does and what you do. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's not because I'm a good rib cook, you know, your beef ribs are really <laughs> good. good. That's, that's, good stuff. that's worth the trip by itself. Yes, but um, uh, I think today uh, the greatest need in society from a health standpoint is strength uh, and training. I mean, uh, I think I'm a, I'm a healthcare professional. Uh, you're a strength expert amongst other experts in sort of training and development of the body and, and the mind and the person. Um, but I think if you look at the fact that uh, the society is becoming frail, society is suffering from inactivity, society, the number one killer today in the world is cardiovascular disease. And we know you just have to do some cardio training. People don't know that the number two killer is, is cancer. Those two kill more people than anything else by far. And cancer uh, is, is prevented with resistance training, not aerobic training. Uh, can't, and you live longer after you get cancer if you if you do strength training. So it, it is very important. What's the reason behind that? You know, they haven't figured out the the, the cause. We don't know the mechanism. Uh, I could. I mean, my guess is that you know muscles and bones and joints are organs, uh, and your strength is a, is a measure of the function of those organs. But you know, people do like a, a heart EKG or a liver test, and it's like. You know, if it's failing, people are like, oh, shoot, you have organ failure. But if you can't do a push-up to save your life, they don't see that as organ failure. But That's to me, that is. Point. 
It really yeah. is a great point. If I may <clears throat> offer it. Um, I, I think that stronger people are more resilient right? yeah. to, every, to everything. I think stronger people are more resilient to the cold. I think stronger people are more resilient to sickness. I think, you know, I just think that you name it, if you're stronger, uh, you're just better at uh, fighting things off. Yeah, and and it's the foundation for everything. It is. It's the foundation. When you're strong, you can do all that other stuff a lot easier. Now, I think one thing that I noticed is when I I became friends with uh, Stu, and I particularly when I became friends with Craig. Craig gave me a copy of his big book, Rehabilitation of the Spine. Right? It's a thousand pages. Right. And it's uh, so many. It's, you know, Jimmy, you know what it reminded me of? I think I mentioned this. We talked the other day. It reminded me of Bill Pearl's book, um, yeah. Keys, keys to the universe. Keys to the inner universe, right? Yes, keys to the inner universe. That's right. And in Pearl's book, which I just happen to have a autograph and a scribed copy of. Yeah, that's cool. Sitting here. Let's see how long is Bill's book. It's all the exercises ever invented by man, right? Five hundred and forty pages. And it's probably, I don't know, three exercises per page. So you got roughly 1,500 different exercises. If you thumb through Craig's book, there's a lot of similarities. In other words, it's like the the bodybuilding approach to building the body. And if you look just from a broad, soft eye perspective, rehabilitation of the spine, and I would imagine also uh, Stu's books, uh, a lot of exercises. And I think, Jimmy, if we were to write a book today, well, how big would our book be? Like three pages? <laughs> Front and back. <laughs> well, you can break it down, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying that I, I think that there's the Arnold approach to building a great body. Right. How many sets a week? 700. Wow. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Yep. Or there's the, uh, you know, one time a week approach, you know, like as, as I first learned with Ken Fantano, it could be effective, you know, just do it all, all the strength training for the week in one day and just squat bench dead. If you have time, overhead press, if you have more time, maybe some power clean, maybe some arm work, that's it. And then you're done. And we periodize that every week. You're expected to improve, right? And it works. And don't tell us it doesn't work because it's worked since the 80s and it works in the 2020s. We work with a bunch of guys every Sunday. In fact, Ryan, Ryan, he's come to visit me three or four times. Each time he shows up, he brings like five guys with him, right? <laughs> and they train and they train with us and I train them. And so we pole go, barn? You're at the pole barn? Yeah. Hell yeah. Donald Blake Perry. That's right. <laughs> That's an amazing time. Yeah, and it's just old school and we just put everybody through and they all they all squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, do some arms, we're done, get something to eat. <laughs> get on with your life, right? But and that frees you up for if you want to do other things in your life, whether you're a rugby player or you want to, you know, whatever, just go do that. But just give us an hour a week. And 
if you're not strong, we don't even need an hour. If a, if a person is really weak, if, look, if there's somebody that is so feeble that they have to use a cross cord as the breaking tool, they're not even strong enough for their own body weight. So we hook them up to the cross cord, which makes their body weight lighter, right? And so all of a sudden they're like being in a swimming pool where you know they couldn't squat down. And now with using this, it's a suspension trainer. You can, by leaning back in a suspension trainer, a 200 pound, five foot two woman who hasn't trained in 30 years is able to do a ass on heel squat for reps. And they go, oh my God, I haven't been able to get that down that far in decades. And, and, and over time, they use the cross core less and less and less. Then they graduate to being able to do it without a cross core. Then they graduate to being able to do it with the lightest of a kettlebell and a goblet squat. And then they, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's just this very mellow progression that no matter how out of shape, how pathetic, how deep, no matter how deep a hole you're in to start, we, you can use the same methods as the elite use, as, there, as we use for, the, for uh, the tier one guys, right, Jim? Right. Same thing. Same thing. It's just what yeah, we might Yeah, go ahead. No, I've adopted those, those concepts. You know, it, it, once you taught me those things, a lot of things were really attractive about what you just explained there in terms of applying it to the general population because – I think, you know, at first people don't know if it works. And then, you know, I tried it. I did it with myself. I got, you know, a lot stronger in 12 weeks. And then I had my staff do it. Like you said, uh, uh, my, all my PTs, my physical therapists and the strength coaches that I work with on my team, I always bring them to you because it's one thing if I say it, but it's another coming from you with your track record with the different type of people it's worked with. And then we try it and we do it and, and it, it works. So what do, I think what do you, not enough people what, what do you, have what, Ryan, 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 what do you deadlift now? 455. What do you weigh? 170, that's good, man. Yeah. yeah, and I've only done one uh, barbell cycle in the last three years, and I jumped from three, like three, uh, 35 to 445 in one 12-week cycle, and yeah, uh, it was good. only once a week training. I mean, I work 12 hours a day, six right. days a week, and yeah, I don't have right. time to do no, no, no. That's, that's perfect for that. You know, I just want to say something, man. I've been around physical therapists, what, 30-some years at the university level, and none of them have the type of open mind that you have, Ryan. None of them would say, oh, I'm going to do a squat cycle or a deadlift cycle and see if this stuff really works and see how I can apply it. It's always very fragmented between the – strength and conditioning community and the PT community. I and mean, when you get somebody to cross over, man, that's the key. Then you see exactly what we're talking about. And we, you know, that communication between the coach and the PT is, is so great and imperative, I think. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, that, that's, I think that's just great that you're open-minded about all this. Well, you're either, you're either a scientist or you're a fundamentalist. If you're, yeah, a, yeah, if, if you're a scientist, you're open to new things. You embrace new things. You, right. want, you want people to show you a better way to do what it is you're doing. Right. If, you're a fundamental, right. if you're a fundamentalist, you're going to defend a frozen position. Nope, that's it. I know everything there is to know. That's it. That's it. That's it. This system trumps everything else. Wow. That's, that's huge. I mean, that's the thing is – 
is most people can't do that because their identity is in their profession. Yeah. And I'm fortunate enough that I was a personal trainer for seven years before I went to PT school. Mm-hmm. So I saw both sides of the coin and I'm lucky to have mentors like Marty and who he's like, uh, my favorite quote of Marty is, 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 uh, uh, if you're in a world where results matter, your opinion doesn't count because if you haven't gotten the results, you know, your, your allegiance is to the results. It's not in the method. It's not in your profession. It's right, just yeah. trying to get what we're trying to do. So um, that's the same thing. Craig, Craig, you make that up, Marty. Said, you make that up. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why we trained the way we did. If there was yeah. a different, different way to train to get better results, we'd use it. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I love that Marty's current. He's still trying to, falsify his own methods to, to to find something better and by doing that we're like you said better scientists yeah. and that's what it's all about and and jim uh, that's that's um what you pointed out is really important because we always talk about how you know that the silos are the arrow silos is over uh, as in dr liebenson and i it's pt should be learning from strength coaches and one of the the best pts for tendon rehab she's a researcher a woman from australia her name is jill cook she, she uh, lit the internet on fire the other day because she put on Twitter that uh, physical therapists chronically underload musculoskeletal conditions because mm-hmm. physios often do not understand strength and conditioning principles, right. are unclear about the load and the, um, the exercises placed on structures. And the most important thing is they have never been in a gym themselves. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my important. experience too. Yep. Because, wow. you know, and, and that was awesome because – it's one thing from us because we, we do it ourselves and, you know, things like that. And it doesn't mean as much because they just think we're a bunch of meatheads or whatever. But that's from a researcher. That's from, from a, a physio. So that's right. awesome. Yeah, it is. Well, that kind of aligns with my uh, business model a little bit. You know, we sell fitness equipment and you would be surprised on how many manufacturers and guys that are selling fitness equipment don't even use it or understand it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah. so which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, but that's why we need to get educated on it by real experts. I mean, I went to right. school for exercise science. I did a doctoral in PT and never did anyone teach me how to squat, deadlift, technique, periodization, right. sports science, anything, right? And, and But yeah. we call ourselves experts. We don't actually know that stuff. Well, you're a fundamentalist. <laughs> exactly. There you go. You're, so you, you, will rather, defend, rather, you, will, you will defend that which you learned in school because you don't that's it for you you don't you're not in the deal we're we're in the deal we're evolving we're always looking 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 searching i work with i work with real people every week you know and you either get results you either get results for regular people or you don't it's that simple and we get results for everybody but again um Here's the thing. I think that, that you talk about underloading. Um, no matter who you are, what level you are, what condition you are, uh, afflicted, elite, doesn't matter, in between, in order, in order to spark gains, and again, what are gains? And gains in, in physical transformation is either you add muscle and strength or you reduce body fat, right? Those are, those are the two big check squares, right? So from there, if you're talking about gaining strength, uh, you know, the, the most important thing is you have to go to 102%. You're not going to get stronger 
messing around with 80% of your capacity. And I'm not talking, if you do, I'm not talking, Jim, doing 10 reps with 80%. 10 reps with 80% is 100% of what you're capable of or more. Yeah. But I'm talking about some, you have, there has to be some expression of everything you're capable of. Otherwise, there's no reason for the body to favorably reconfigure itself. To, yeah, it doesn't want to. Why? I mean, where's the, where, where's the physiological incentive? Yeah, yeah, so, that, that's but the principle. But how do you teach out of shape people? You have to teach out of shape people how to go to failure and beyond safely. And then you have to show them the correct exercises. And those exercises have to have full range of motion. You have to have, you have to have full range of motion. Sorry, wish it weren't so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what they, you know, they, that's funny because they teach us in PT school that we have to get full range of motion, but we don't know how to develop full range of motion in something like the squat. Like, I use the, that technique where you have people exhale at the bottom of the squat. Oh, God, that's um, sacrilegious. Don't do that. You'll die. Yeah. <laughs> you saying, oh, with the goblet, you mean? Oh, any of it. Yeah. Game changer. Oh, no. That, yeah. Well, you see, that's, uh, that's sacrosanct. You never lose your tension and resistance training. That's the sacrosanct precept. That's what George or Orwell would call one of their smelly little orthodoxies. But, you know, you know, I tried to figure out why that works so well. And part of it is because, like you said, you're training people to maximum intensity once a week. And if they're doing, I mean, if they're doing that at a high intensity three or four days a week because they don't understand the principles that you just described about pushing maximum intensity and then resting full weeks in, in order to push that maximum intensity again, they're going to they're gonna butcher that because they're going to do it too many times, not enough recovery, uh, too much load, whatever it is. Uh, they're they're going to do it with the wrong parameters because we don't have enough understanding of these exercise principles and creating true right. change. It's funny, Ryan, because, you know, talking about the – the effort and the intensity the uh, one of the football kids would come to me and said, now our oh, coach, I got to go to PT. And I'd always say, make sure they push you hard, man. Make sure, you know, tell them that you can do some stuff because if not, though, they always come back and go, ah, oh, coach, I didn't get anything out of that, man. It wasn't, it wasn't hard enough to do anything. You know what I mean? I, I know, you know, I know you have to have a progression of when a kid's ready for it, but a lot of times, you know, it, it start the kids would be like, ah, oh, it's sort of a waste now, coach. I'm not getting anything out of it. You know, it wasn't hard enough. It wasn't, uh, like the lady was saying on Twitter, you know, really loading anything. It was sort of stretches yeah. they could do on their own. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's what uh, some, um, uh, we call it rehab purgatory. They just go in circles forever because, because the massaging and the, and the lasers and the stim and, and all that's the taping isn't going to uh, bring up to, to strength and speed the, the joint or the muscle or the, the problem that can't perform at the demands yeah. of their sport. So you can do that forever. It's not going to get you ready. Right. And besides, we only need them for 30 minutes once a week. Then they can go get their tape or have their electro, whatever they want. <laughs> right? Yeah. That was, just give us, that was, just, you know, it's like, uh, what did Jesus say about church? Give me one hour a week, people, you know? <laughs> that's yeah. all we that's all we need and the weaker you are the less time it takes that's how long right. does it take jimmy to get through let's say what three sets of squats three sets yeah. of dumbbell benches three sets of what kettlebell deadlifts yeah no time at all and maybe some sort of overhead press right 
I mean, you know, a, a beginner, a really, really, someone really new to resistance training, they can get through that in 20 minutes. So you're, you're done your strength training once a week, 20 minutes, get on with the other stuff, get out to walking, you know what I mean? Get out to, you know, if we give them strength, then, then we set them free, particularly if they're overweight and out of shape, because strength allows them to power their bulk around with greater ease. Yeah, right. I, and, it strength, and strength comes up quick. The weaker you are, the faster it comes up. Right. I was just going to say, your squats go up 30 pounds in, one, in a week. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, I had, that's why I had to go to the pole barn to see it myself, is I needed to watch you guys do it. And I saw, you know, experienced, really strong men lifting. And then I saw newbies. I saw a guy who was like 50, 60 years old, first time squatting in there, in the same positions with the uh, – same intensity, but it was just different loads. And, yeah. you know, I think the rehab world, we don't have any experience looking at those positions, those angles, those, uh, uh, mm-hmm. and seeing what it looks like when it's enough. Cause I watched you coach people and you knew it's like, all right, that's it done. Cause yeah, you saw the it. speed change, yeah, you saw the shape change. You don't have to eat a rep or fail with a rep. We just have to take it to that barely completed rep. That's that's a hundred or 102% right there. If you, if, if you know, you, you lock out a rut and you say, there is no way I'm doing another one. You're done. You've done your duty, man. That's great. You don't have to take that rep and fail. You know what I mean? You don't have to die. Just you give it a hundred percent, man. That's it. That's enough to trigger the hypertrophy needed. And you don't have to do it. If you're able to do it for five sets of five, you ain't putting out hard enough in set one. If you put work with us on set one of five, yeah, okay, you might do sets two, three, four, and five of five, but they're going to be with like, I don't know, 40%, 30%, 20%. You know, you're going to be so zapped from the first set. You don't, if you're doing multiple sets with a static weight, you've got to hold something in reserve in order to get across the finish line. Yeah, I think I think that's not those, what we're talking about. This is different. This is different. You get one damn shot a week in each exercise, and it, and it matters. And you don't get five times five or eight times three or four times a week. <laughs> it's on, and you're up yeah. to bat, and you're in front of people whose opinion you care about. That's important. We take it. We we appreciate the group dynamic. We do. There there is. You lift in front of a bunch of. Uh, yeah, a bunch of guys, and uh, it ups your game. And we have very strict archetypical techniques, right, Jim? Yeah, we sure do. Yeah, we have five variations in each of the four lifts, and, and you have to sequence through. You start with zero, and you got to earn the right to get to the next level. And even after you get through all five levels, you just graduated kindergarten. You know, now you're ready for the real work. Hey, Ryan, what, what do you think – the strength training world can learn from you guys or even be more open-minded about it coming from a physical therapist standpoint. Give up Olympic lifting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, most of the time. Most of the time I, I mean, I, mean uh, I don't know. I think, I think what I, the way I see it is the, the art and the science of what we're learning about, rehab and and physical therapy is it's just making people feel 
safe and comfortable with what you're doing so so that they can do it because a lot of times pain and uh is really coming from apprehension and ah. and fear and, and so the the what i do is you know going back to what marty was talking about with uh, the thousand exercises i don't really use my my main weapon is are the the big four lifts but i sometimes need to get um right. you know some maybe let's say hamstrings and calves activated before a squat right. like marty showed us yeah uh, yeah uh, so that it feels a little better, so it moves a little smoother. Not because I think those things are going to change them, but it which, gets which, them. Which which I to... would do, which I do with the beginners. It's uh, calves, hamstring, right. squat, tricep, right. calves, hamstring, yeah. squat, rest, calves, hamstring, yeah. squat, rest. So you get them more comfortable to be able to accept the next step. You know, they're exactly. not scared. Yeah. 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 Cause so, so I'm always managing buy-in. I'm always managing fear because so a lot of the pain research that, that allows me to move forward with injured people and not worry about it is that a lot of times, so hurt doesn't always equal harm. A lot of people who, who are on, on the field or in sports who are hardened men, they, they understand that hardened men and women, they understand that. But you know, when doctors are always telling you that you're broken, something's wrong with you that, you know, this is torn or that's torn, uh, you know, they, you're going to get scared every time you lift right. and you feel a little something. But right. but the research is showing that, you know, most of the time you, get, you just kind of have to, you have to know the red flags. You have to know what's being overloaded and what's not. And then if you don't really think that, that, that they're placing so much load that something's going to break, like if it hurts a little and it goes away, I'm just going to keep moving you forward. Yeah. No, that's you know? good. Yeah. That's good. That's a unique approach, man. I haven't even heard that before, you know, talking about the mind and that's a, Geez, how many episodes have we had about JP about talking about the mind and how powerful it is and techniques we have used? And that's what Ryan's yeah, using key. in a different way to establish that point where a person says, Oh, you know, you say, Well, see, you did squat all the way down. Now we're just going to add just a little load and then you're going right to the next step. That's really good. Well, I like what he says about, you know, um, we're going to have you do these certain exercises, the core four or whatever. And if you have a little bit of pain, that's okay. It goes away. You recover, you move on to the next workout. That's kind of how I've been with my back for so many years with my, my compressed disc. So, um, you know, you go out there and do it. You're very mindful of what you're doing. Um, you know, and, and you just, um, you try to keep advancing, but just being very careful that you don't injure yourself being very Did mindful ever, of your form and all that. Marty, did I ever tell you the Johnny United story that Bill Starr told me about his Achilles? Well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> he tore his Achilles, right? I must hear this. And uh, so Bill, and then, you know, he came back. I don't know how long, but he, he did come back and play. And Bill Starr said, man, how did you, how did you rehab that, Johnny? And Johnny said, well, Bill, it's, it's like this. When I could walk, I walked. When I could jog, <laughs> I jogged. And when I could run, I started running. <laughs> <laughs> That was, you know, the same kind of thing. I was, telling right. some, I was telling somebody that Stu told me one time, he said, uh, I can't remember the exact percentage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase. He said, 70% of the back surgeries could be avoided if the patient would just do the, 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 the rehab. Right. Skip the surgery, but, yeah. but take all the rest, the post-surgical rest that they oh, insist on. Right. That's a good point. He said, and let the body, he said, which is a wonderful self-healing uh, organism, let the body do its work. And he said, most of the times the surgery can be avoided. He said, but yeah. it's a, yeah. people don't want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. 
that's that's 100% true. The the research shows that it's it's the outcomes with these things are are not good. The the imaging is uh, has a lot of false positives meaning if you have a bulging disc and you have back pain, it doesn't necessarily that's mean that's where the pain's coming from because right. if uh, most people have bulging discs in their back with no pain. So just cuz that happens to be there it doesn't mean that's the issue. And but it's it's nuanced because you know, just resting alone isn't the right thing. You have to figure out um, actually staying active is the most important thing, but it's understanding how to prescribe the right amount of activities that ah, respects what we're talking ah, about and strength. But, but aren't, aren't you also, you're, you're, you're banging up against these, these limits I'm talking about, these 100%, 101%, and you just kind of, I had a double meniscus tear, and because of my situation, I chose not to have surgery. So I had to spend a lot of time on my back. I had to spend a lot of time walking between here, the kitchen and, and the bathroom. And that was it, like 30, 40 days. <clears throat> but you have a pain tolerance. But I think that the just as you do in your repping, like you do at a uh, top set, you take you want to go to that barely completed final rep, that, that 100, 100, 101% effort which is where the gains lie. The same thing when you're injured and in pain, you want to keep banging up against the pains and then bang it, bang it, bang it. And it, each, if you, if you do that, it uh, chips away at it, increases the range of motion over time. I remember I would do that in the hot shower and for some reason the hot water seemed to loosen it up and I could, I just kind of do bouncy reps and, and yeah, it was painful at the bottom, but it was, you know, you just kind of, touching up against it, right? And and it's a wonderful age we live in with this, uh, I keep talking about this cross court, you'd think I earned a piece of it. <laughs> but uh, to be able to actually come in lighter than a person's body weight or lighter than the lightest dumbbells or the lightest kettlebell, it is, uh, it's a cool thing. Uh, it's, again, it's like, you know how you feel when you're underwater and your body weight is lighter? Yeah. That's the same sensation that we give the, the out of shape, overweight, underpowered people. And we give them that initial range of motion back. And from there, it's just easy because they're essentially, they're giving themselves self-inflicted forced reps, right? I mean, they control the amount of upward tension that they use to pull themselves out of the deep position or to lower into the deep position comfortably but they're yeah. experiencing the full and complete range of motion, right? It's almost like they're underwater and they're like, oh man, I haven't been able to do this in decades. It's like, yes, that's it. And over time, over time, over time, and they come to enjoy it because there is a challenge to it. And also it's numbers. And if it's numbers, numbers can be improved on. And if this week they did five full and complete reps, Wow, that's fantastic. Next Sunday, we're going to try to do six. Right. That's powerful because people respond to that. They respond. Yes, yes they do. And it's, it, and it's real improvement. It's not subjective. It's objective. It's not like somebody say, oh, yeah, you look a lot better. No, man. You just, you just improved. You just improved 20%. By going from five to six, that's a 20% improvement, I think. Well, math is right. Can we expand on the on the meniscus rehab just a little bit? Because Marty, you had it yeah. and you rehabbed yourself, and you said you healed up. Now I currently have one on my right knee, 
Um, my doctor told me I could do squats, leg presses, all that. As long as I don't go below a 90, he said leg extensions are out, which is, I think how I did this in the first place. Went very, very heavy. I never liked those exercises anyway. I so never liked That's a bodybuilder thing. Yeah. It's a Tom Platts oh. thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ryan, how would you, uh, change up the training with someone that's got a torn meniscus, are you trying to just slowly increase their range of motion or you, how do you differ? So there's a, I mean, the, the meniscus stuff is, is very interesting that you asked about that because I mean, most of the time uh, meniscus surgeries, there's a couple articles and even a New York times um, article about how, you know, the, the research on meniscus tears and surgeries are clear. It's, there's a lot of people with meniscus injuries, just like with the bulging disc, that, that don't have pain. And unless it's catching and, and buckling and, um, during activities that you do, you don't need a surgery. And even, even the imaging, because uh, the imaging isn't necessarily telling you what you need. So th there's some articles that say 2 million meniscus surgeries are given every single year and they're useless. So it's, uh, however, there's, you know, if it's catching, there's a flap that's like, catching and doesn't allow you to bend and straighten it, you know, with ease, then, um, then that's when it's a, a indicated, but that's not usually the case, but with yeah. just like Marty was describing with any other injury is you just got to brush up against the, your limitations, cycles of stress, recovery, adaptation that respect the oh, activities you have a, in your life. That's a good way of and, saying it. Yeah. That's right. That, I meant to, I meant to say that. Yeah. So JP, does yours <laughs> buckle? Does, does so, so no. Now, I've talked to a guy that had it lock up at the gym one time, and he was like, he freaked out. He didn't know what it was, and he just, like, kicked it out and, like, yep, tore exactly. it loose. Exactly. <laughs> so, but, you know, I don't have any pain doing a squat, okay? I go, I go to a 90. I go parallel. Okay, I'm good. Mm -hmm. The only time I feel the pain is if uh, maybe I'm in bed and I turn my – my calf sideways and kind of twist my knee a little bit. That's where oh, I start yeah. to feel it. But, yeah. you know, squatting, walking, all that, I'm fine, but I'm just trying to preserve it. I'm trying to rehab it. I'm trying not to make it worse. Yeah. I would, I would say the most important thing for a meniscus, because there's a frontal plane and rotational component to uh, when a meniscus gets really stressed. I would look at your single legs work. I would look at your, how you do uh, single leg balance, step ups, uh, lunges, and I would look for any major differences in your function, in your strength, in your abilities, whether it's uh, high loads or at high speeds. You know, usually those are one of the two things that are going to start to uh, it's going to start to break down. So um, well, that's suppose, 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 suppose that is going to be the case. What do you do about it? So you just build it up, just like we well, talked how? about before. How? So. I mean, I would look at you and just all your your his left leg, his left his left leg's weak. He can't stand on his left leg. What is he supposed to do about that? I would find the 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 hardest uh, lunge that he can handle, the hardest step up that he can handle, and just build it up. You know, just just how? like you know we would with the adventure dead. How many uh, how many times how many times a week is he doing this? Now this is a big guy. He's two hundred and eighty pounds, but he's in good shape. So just like what you, you showed me with the squats and bench dead and overhead press is I figure out your, your limit. And then uh, once a week, I would hit one top set on it um, based on what you can handle. And 
I might have to limit the range at first, but you know, what I do is I would load it with a, you know, decent amount of weight, see, and then see if you can load further in your non-loaded positions afterwards as a, a if, if you have limited range of motion, just when you walk into the gym cold, but then when we load it up and it starts to get better, usually load is the best corrective. Usually all the muscles that need to be controlling that, that joint movement, uh, the muscles control the, the forces that go into the, the joint ultimately. When those things are fired up, when they're, the motor units are contracting really hard, they're contracting really quickly, uh, then, and then that motion improves. A lot of times we see people's range of motion improve by contracting muscles, not mobilizing and stretching stuff. That's why we don't really stretch. Uh, I, I never may ask I, people to stretch. May I, may I say, say this? Yeah. I think what he's saying, JP, is in Texan, is that you shouldn't be satisfied with your parallel squats. Yeah. So it, yeah, if, it's not unstable, if it's not unstable in the bottom, have you tried it? JP, have you tried going deeper? Well, I was going to ask him, too, if it's better to do one-legged exercises because what I'm doing in the backyard is I'm doing split squats, and I'm doing them with added resistance via a, uh, a dipping belt and a kettlebell. So, and you know, I'm coming down to parallel. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing grind speed, basically, like we talk about quite a bit. I'm not – there's no explosion. It's real controlled. It's real – smooth uh i'm doing about 15 reps on each leg i'm doing a couple sets of those and i'm just killing i'm getting such great leg workouts there's no pain at all matt matt may, may, may interject i think that's fantastic and i think you should keep doing that but can you do one set hanging on to the cross cord both legs going all the way down ass on heels for i don't know a set of five to eight with just my body weight yeah Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I, my, my memory keeps triggering back to my doctor, what he was say, saying. Oh, to he me. doesn't know anything, man. Just but this is what I want to ask Ryan. So, so Ryan, is yeah. it best to not go below uh, a 90 degree or, or parallel? Uh, because he said, no, this fine. is what he told me. He said, that is when you bring the meniscus into play and you want to try to avoid. Um, there, there is some evidence that, that shows that that is when it comes to the play, but that's oversimplifying it. Bending your knees past 90. Uh, can you bend it past 90 when you're on a table? When you're closed chain? When you're, uh, yeah, you know, that's, when you're open I have, chain? Yeah, I have so, total mobility, yeah. So he can do it, he just doesn't want to because the doctor said don't go deep. That's right. But I'm thinking, I, I think on the weighted split squats, though, or even my own body weight split squats, I think it might start to bother me after I go below parallel. Yeah, but maybe now you're strong enough to go there. You know what? Yes. And I, I, I miss barbell squats because on these split squats, I get well, so do some, man. Do genetically. Some do, I do, get some so barbell, do some barbell squats. Do some barbell squats. Get a whiskey. Get a barbell. Come on, man. Get some whiskey. That's a great that idea. Go together. I thought that went together. Yeah, it goes together that. in our group. That's for sure. Um, uh, Hank Williams Jr. song. <laughs> so, but Ryan, is it is it better to when you have something like this a torn meniscus? Is it better to try to do single leg exercises so that you're not um, you're not playing to your stronger side for sure? And if and if you are weak on that torn meniscus side, it's going to be identified. Yeah, what is the research on that, Ryan? 
Was Ryan there? Did we I lose Ryan? I stumped him. Oh, no, no, I think I stumped him. Listen, he's thinking. I think you lost him. You lost him, dude. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah, he's on. Marty, play some jazz. Is it, is it something we said? <laughs> Marty, play, do some jazz music for the. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> do a doobie interlude. <laughs> oh, wait, there you No, yeah. <laughs> i tell you what, here was I, here's where I was going to respond. Is I like you're doing, I think is great, but I think you should do both. Right? Well, let me ask him the question again. Because well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, he's not here. Is he back? No, no, I'm, no, he's I'm back here. I'm what happened? So, back. so did you fall over unconscious because of something I said? It was because of JP's question. Let's go. I, I thought I stumped you, Ryan. I thought you were sitting there thinking about it. I was kind of impressed with myself now, for a second there. Now, look, repose your question. All right. So my question is, now I've been doing these split squats for quite some time, and I'm equally strong on both sides, and it feels great. But my question is, will you tend to assign single leg exercises to somebody with uh, a torn meniscus or something so that in a two leg exercise, they cannot favor their strong side? So, so now you're doing the, uh, the one legged, you can quickly identify if you're weaker on one side, obviously, it's going to show. Yeah, yes. So, Yes, that's part of it. The other part of it is that on single leg, there's a frontal plane comp component um, that, that that's why, why the meniscus usually gets irritated, injured, or, or is vulnerable is when uh, there's a frontal plane or rotational component. So I, I, I'm not, yes, if, if I see any lacking strength or weakness or, or uh, range of motion deficits in the side, that's what I'm going after. I'm not worried about uh, the pain. I'm not worried about 90 degrees bring uh, Boogeyman, I, that, that tells me where you are right now, but it doesn't tell me where you can be. Meaning all, all meniscus tears are not created equal. So the, yep. the solution is not always the same. It's, you might have a different weakness or weak point or inability than someone else. So I need to give you more of a functional diagnosis than a, than a medical diagnosis. A, a meniscus tear is just a, a picture of a meniscus that looks funny on a MRI, but doesn't tell me whether you can squat below parallel or not. Yeah. It, it's, the, the sports scientist, Tim Gabbard, says it's not the activity that injures you, it's the activity you're not prepared for. So if I could prepare you for squatting below 90, whether it's with a cross core or with a little bit of weight or whatever it is, if you can get near there and I train it and then we test it again and it gets better, then I'm going to give you more of that. That's if right. it's not ready for it, I'm just going to build it up slowly. It's the same principles as what you would for, for strength training on a barbell. So the unilateral training would be more of – a diagnosis where you're like oh okay i see a weakness or i don't then you progress to uh like a, a squat with both legs uh not necessarily i mean i could use a squat with both legs to give me enough strength to do unilateral stuff what okay. i need to do then I need That's to find out what's bothering him when it's bothering him. if it's like stairs running then i think it's unilateral stuff if it's like you know squatting right uh, heavy, then I'm saying, okay, let's just squat well, a lighter to you. Well, he's right, here. He's, he's, he's right here. Why don't we just ask him? Well, I understand what he's saying because I can tell you from the little bit of research that I've done on the meniscus, it's pretty complex because you can have all kinds of different tears. And like Jim said, you can actually have it to where it flaps and your knee locks up. So I haven't had any of that. Um, but whatever kind I have, I think it's, I think I can sec successfully 
rehab it, but that was always my big question going down below parallel. But, how, long ago, how long ago did it occur? Been forever. Uh, pro probably about a year ago. And I know oh. it was from heavy no. leg oh. extensions. Did, but did you have surgery? I didn't know. My, uh, my doctor was, um, you know, he said, look, the last thing you want to do, which I appreciated, was uh, have surgery. He says, listen to your body, continue okay. to work out, be careful, rehab it the best you can, but listen to your body. You know, if it hurts, don't do it or do it a different way or whatever. Well, it sounds like you're pretty happy with what you're doing and you're just looking for somebody to confirm that. I think so. And I'm just looking for longevity uh, and to make sure, you know, for uh, confirmation that what I'm doing is, is okay and I'm not going to hurt it further. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I can, I mean, I can take a look at you later and afterwards to confirm everything. But this is the, the reality of the situation is if you felt the, you know, pain uh, after doing knee extensions there, and there wasn't any traumatic, like, popping sound, like a buckling thing or whatever it was, the knee pain that you experienced might not even be related to the fact that they found a tear in your meniscus, meaning the recommendation to not squat below 90 has, uh, it may not be relevant because that might not be why you, you have pain. So these are all things, may, I, mean, I know that's a, that's a big one to grab. May, may I ask a layman's question, Ron? Are you <laughs> suggesting that he should do uh, barbell squats or not? Uh, I, I think he should, yes. I don't okay. think okay. there's any so, no, no more words, no more words. But, but, but just wait a second. He, he said based he said, on looking at me and assessing the situation, which I think is very smart. This isn't a cookie cutter you, thing. You are, like a con, you are like a convict trying to weasel out in front of a judge here. That keep, everybody keeps saying, you need to barbell squat. You keep going, now wait a minute. <laughs> this is a tough audience today, man. I got to tell you, guys hanging up, guys you were, me out. You were built to barbell squat. I, I, yeah, I think I was. I mean, I love doing legs. I mean, okay, well, let's know. get back to a little bit and just speak, but you got to lose your ego. It's 135 is fantastic. Seriously, if you could do and, one, 135 and just go all the way down and just sit down there upright and do some of those old school Karwaski pause squats, right? All right. And, and work it up from there and work it up 10 pounds a week. Can we move on to the lower back? Because Ron, a lot more oh, just one, people... one, 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 quickly, Ryan, was, is that a yeah. bad prescription? Am I overplaying my hand there? No, I mean, look, it's it's what you said. It's a combination of things you said. Basically, you said, can you do it with the cross core? If you can, then you can do it with less than body weight. Okay, if you can do that, then see it with your own body weight. If you can do that, it's just like what you teach. Then try it with the kettlebell. Okay, if you can do that, then put a barbell on your back. Right. But until you pass one variation or one amount of load. Um, and speed and depth, then you can't move on to the next one. If you can do it, then keep training until you can do it. That's and, and, I mean, we, do, and we don't want yeah. you to use 315 in the first workout, which you probably could, but that's oh, not. Oh, forget not, it then. Oh, no, no, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, you got uh, to lose your The problem is people try to say you can't do this and you can't do that. You're going to tell me that if I have a meniscus injury, I shouldn't run or shouldn't do this, but there's a difference between jogging down a block and being a 100-meter track sprinter. You can't throw all all the activities out just because it all falls under the same title like there are nuances to what you can and can't handle if you know how to build it up then that's it just build it up that's what he means by listen to your body but yeah. he doesn't know how to guide you through that so you know what i, I mean should, i think jp yeah. jp didn't you used to be a break dancer 
<laughs> yeah, back in uh, 1985 and a half, I was, yeah. yes. No, I never got into that, actually. Something I, think Jim, I think that was Jim Steele's deal. <laughs> well, that's not true. Could you imagine Jim Steele breakdancing? Hell yeah. Man, you can man. do it with you getting hellbound. On cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> On cardboard. At a refrigerator box. Yes. So, Ryan, do you <laughs> see... Parachute, the parachute pants and a headband. <laughs> Excuse me, fellas. I'm going to be serious here. Um, low back, is that the, the that, injury that, that you see? That, that, frizzy, that frizzy hair. <laughs> He's, all right. Let's move out of 1985 here. Talk about the uh, lower back. What are, you, what are you saying, Jim? Well, I wanted to know what the most, the most frequent injury he sees. I bet it's low back and shoulders probably. Yeah, that's what I want to ask him too. Yeah, low, low back pain is the most prevalent uh, musculoskeletal issue. It's the number one driver of disability in the world. It's uh, 80% of people in the world will have really bad low back pain uh, to the point where they feel like they need to go to the hospital. And almost 90% of the time, nothing needs to be done, meaning nothing medically needs to be done. That means no surgeries, injections, things like that are not necessary. So there's a so lot of mis- it's, a, it's like a lifestyle change. Part of it, um, the part of it, modifying activities is no number one most important thing is staying active and remember that it's going to get better. The problem is when an acute back pain injury, someone gets told that they they shouldn't bend their back or they shouldn't, um, you know, do this or do that. They start they start avoiding things. Right. They start expecting pain. Acute pain becomes chronic pain, and chronic pain takes on a life of its own. I mean, we spend $635 billion a year on chronic pain, um, and we, we can't put a dent in it. We're not slowing it down. And people are just being told that they shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. They need to take these meds. But, I mean, opioids uh, are strong pain meds that are prescribed that cause 127 deaths a day from addiction and overdose. So doctors are literally killing people, telling people to take meds when they don't need them. The research shows you don't need that stuff. It will get better on its own most of the time. You know what scares me about the lower back? Now, if, if, if I tell you my story just real quick, I was sitting, now I've always been a heavy lifter and I've been, you know, bodybuilding and powerlifting since, uh, since the eighties. And so, you know, my, I didn't have a, a weak core or anything, but I was sitting in my office, um, in, in my office chair one early one morning, I heard something pop and felt something. How, pop. how, how long ago? Oh, this was probably about 10 years ago, at least 12 okay. years. Huh. So all of a sudden something pops and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm strong, I'm healthy, but here goes this pop. So I could feel my lower back balling up and I'll tell you, it stiffened up so quick. Um, and I, I tried to get upstairs to get into the, I had like a decompression thing to get in. And I thought maybe if I just, you know, stretch it out a little bit. Well, I got in that thing, man. And I got locked in and I couldn't get out. It, it no, locked no. up so bad on me. Oh, you were hanging up. Were you hanging upside down? No, it was the other one where it's, it looks like a Roman chair or whatever you hang up, you, you hook in your legs and, and hang upside down. But I had my wife take me to the hospital. They x-rayed it. And of course on an x-ray, you can't see the, the disc. You can see the, the vertebrae and the spacing between the vertebrae. And they said, look, you're, I don't know, 38 years old at the time or whatever. They said, you're, you've got decompressed 
discs and it's pressing out on the nerves. Well, I'll tell you, the next day to get out of bed took me all of about 40 minutes. I mean, I was just trashed for a couple of months. So the thing that's that spooks me about the lower back is it seems like it can happen anywhere, anytime, even if you're healthy, your back can go out on you. And I've seen guys do it just vacuuming the gym floor. All of a sudden, it's, you know, <sighs> on, twist on, the wrong way and bam, you're gone. On the one hand. On the other hand, I have never had a spinal injury in my life. Right. And you were an 800-pound-plus squatter. That's correct. And I'm just an 800-pound deadlifter. And, and for right. – I forget, I did the math the other day. I forget how many years it was, Jim, in a row. It was like, I don't know, 47 years in a row, I squatted and benched at least 400 pounds. Now, my bell curve, I was, you know, twice that at the peak, but it was something like that, 47 or 48 or 49 years in a row. I'd handled at least 400 pounds in the squat and the deadlift wall. And never, in fact, I think it may be bulletproof because <clears throat> I have not really had any, any serious injury. That, you know, I had contact injuries well and you and i always talk about i say marty you know you're, you're in your 70s and you don't have any injuries and you're a power lifter how are you not how don't you have any afflictions you know back injury shoulder injury whatever he's and marty always says i had the very best coaching from the age of like 14 or 15 yeah. whatever it was and i think um and i think that's probably the the root of these, you know, my, these my back injury safe techniques they, they oh, talked. Yeah. I was doing. Can I chime in on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of things is, uh, uh, and that's part of the reason why I, I wanted to go learn from Marty because, you know, I, I knew what he was talking about and I understood uh, there must be something that he's doing. And a lot of people attribute too much. Um, they put too much stock in in. Um, the, the specific nuances of positions and this and that, they matter to a certain degree, but I think a big part of, of why I think Marty is successful with training and his longevity with this, he knows how to go high intensity and then he knows how to rest. And I think too often, too many people are placing their bodies under a lot of stress and then not resting enough because uh, uh, JP, what you're describing in, in, in the back going out in, um, with a easy activity like picking up a pencil or something is the, the back's in a vulnerable position after putting a lot of stress under it during something that was done a few days ago or two days ago or yesterday or maybe a few hours before. And it's, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if one part of your body is just kind of, you know, the rest of your body is fine, but one part is ready to go. And then you, you place a little too much stress on it in that one moment. That's when it happens. And it seems like, um, you know, it's an innocent thing, but I think it's a totality of all the stress and lack of recovery between um, uh, stresses. Because I, I, you know, I studied with McGill and I, you know, I learned all the stuff that he taught and I, I learned about Brian Carroll. I met Brian Carroll. I met Dr. McGill and I talked to Brian about his recovery. Do you guys know about the gift of injury? The, the book yeah, that they wrote the power lifter who blew back out. I said he was never going to lift again, I think. And McGill rehabbed him, right? Yeah, so basically what, it was, a, it was a, a, a sacrum that was split in half anterior to posterior, multiple crushed vertebrae and, and discs that were completely destroyed. So way worse than any back injury I've ever heard of or seen. Um, and then he's back squatting 1185 now. And 
what he told me was that the key was that he would rest five or six days between whatever his max intensity was. Obviously, you know, he would rest for a while and then he starts to slowly build himself back up. But that, that was really important for me to hear because that's the same thing I heard from Marty. He's like, Hey, you can't, you know, you don't need to do back squats, you know, five by three by five, three days a week. That's, um, you're not, you're, you're going to be, what is the point of going, going at 102% when you're, 81% rested. Exactly. So, so that's what I think happens to a lot of people is, you know, you, you lift, you know, JP, you're right. Being strong and being healthy is better. But then, you know, so a lot of people think like, oh, you know, if, if, um, if you're weak, then you're going to have back pain. That could be true. But, or if you're strong, uh, you know, you shouldn't have back pain. That could be true too. But I think the most important thing is the really nuanced stress and recovery adaptation cycles is, yeah. If, if you train really hard, you can remodel the bone, remodel the nerves. There's research that shows that runners can, can restore disc height and, and disc health. Uh, bulging discs uh, heal, uh, bones remodel. If I have a stress fracture, if I rest it and then I slowly build it up, that bone, that bone remodels itself. So proper cycles of stress adaptation are the most important things. I think I have to limit things I think that are overstressing your back and then I have to build up everything else while, while it gets better. And then I just build up whatever pattern was, was overstressing your back or your knee or whatever it is. It all follows the same principles. Yeah. And here's how, here's the one thing that I think that, that, that Marty did and, and the other power lifters do because they cycle, I think the cycling too, you know, they do like a 12 week cycle strength cycle and then they'll come off and some of them will rest for months. And I think that was my issue. I didn't do that. I kept going consistently heavy through yeah. the year, year after year after year, well, because I, ne I never wanted to lay off, you know, I was always, you know, what's that? I said, it, here's how it works. Either you take a break in intensity or your body will make you. <laughs> or you break. Yeah. yeah, but, but, yeah. but with a guy like JP, as long as he kept growing and eating and growing and eating and growing and eating, he was great. Yeah, but it's just that time that at some point, yeah. ah, that ends. And then you keep pounding at it. And that's, that's when the breakdowns occur. Yeah, and I wrote an yeah. article, I think it was for you, JP, where... I, I mean, I have gotten some injuries, but with all the stuff I have done, they're, they're minimal. And it was because I would, my focus would change. I'd do a power lifting, you know, for three or four months. Then I'd do a boxing cycle, still lifting, but obviously that took a back seat. Then I'd do something else where I started doing hill sprints. And then I then like I'd that. Back to the power lifting. Uh, I like Jim, that. And then you Jim, were, you're... then you were fresh when you came back to it. That's right. But Jim, you're the guy that went in and, and deadlifted 700 before you were to, the day before you were going to get back surgery. Well, now it's the day before, but I mean, it was a little while before, but you know, <laughs> I, 700, I, I thought it was 900. I have some mental issues, so yeah. that's not the way it is. But you know, let me just, before I forget about this, it's funny, Ryan, you talked about it may not be the actual moment that, that you know, like the leg extensions that actually hurt it, because every year in football camp, about four or five days in, we'd get a bunch of hamstring pull. And then the coaches would have this big meeting. What drill did we do today that caused the hamstring pulls? And I would say, that's not it. It's the buildup of everything you've been doing to these. You know, you crushed them with gassers on day one. Then you did 110-yard sprints on day two. Now yep. the fatigue starts to set in. Then they do a couple sprints even during the warm-ups. Oh, coach, my hamstring. Cause oh, they're, yeah, because their hamstrings are tweaked. Yeah, it's built up. It's built. Yeah. It's the 
it's the crushing, it's the buildup of the stress. They have blowouts like like race cars that you keep your blam, 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 you, know, you keep hitting 100% of the acceleration or whatever, you blow the engine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that wisdom. That, that's why I like learning from you guys is because you guys are used to pushing people to the limits so you observe what happens and you learn like hey i can't have people run gasters before sprints because like marty said what's the point of sprinting at 80 percent? you're not gonna get faster your sprints running no 80%, right no you're not you're just beating your head against the wall and you're never recovering right oh you're yeah. gonna do it you know and i'm gonna do it four times a week well that's fantastic and that's why your your time hasn't improved in three years yeah <laughs> When you get a super motivated athlete, you know, that's where the coach comes in and says, look, you're not going to get weaker if I make you go, you know, five days until you do this again. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the athlete will say, or the tier one operate, whatever, I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to go again. They, they have that overriding mechanism in their brain, which you're glad that they have because you can temper that. Oh, sure. They, yeah, they'll just, that's yeah, they're, they're robots. A coach comes yeah. in and says, nah, we're going to take another day, man. Let's no, I don't need it. Let's go. And it's like, no, 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 no. Charlie Francis used to look at his sprinters and, and as they were walking toward him, if he saw that they were walking a little funny, he said, no, 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 no. You need another 24 hours. I could tell him, Marty, can't you tell in warm-ups, you watch, they have no pop. And then you say, oh, oh. let's just try 185 and see how that, no pop. Now you're done. You're, you're done. done. No, seriously, you, you don't have it today. And they're like, yeah, you're right. I, I do it with myself. When I go to grab the first 45, if that 45 feels heavy as hell, it's like, you know what? I'll be stronger tomorrow. I'm serious. And then other days, like I'll just pick it up and like, oh, we're going to have a good session today. Yes. When the warm up. Right? Yeah, you just whip it off the floor and go, oh, yeah, let's roll. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, Ryan, let me ask you a couple more questions on the lower back if I could, because um, probably a lot of other people have this same question. Um, so th three, three, uh, uh, compressed discs, uh, three bulging discs in the lower back L5 area. Are you having someone with that condition do any exercises that are compressing the spine, like a hack squat, even if it's light or any shrug or anything absolutely. like that? Cause absolutely. Uh, everybody yeah. gets squat, lunge, hinge, push, pull, carry, because those are the things you need to do in life. Oh, oh say it again, but slow it down, buddy. Uh, sorry, hold on. I got a, I got some uh, fire. Uh, I'm in a building. Hold on. You need to leave the building? <laughs> sorry, sorry. So every, everybody. Are you in the drive Everybody get. No, no, I'm in a gym and they're doing some fire uh, rehearsal oh. but um let me see is this better no this is not better oh, okay. that's all right baby you uh, got it. Look, what was the question <laughs> i better remind ryan what the question was <laughs> jp did we leave jp no I'm here. Oh, good, buddy. What was it with the? Are they loading the spines? Are they loading their spines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Any, right. any, any exercises, right? Hold on, sorry. I think he's gonna t he's gonna say yes. You should load the spine. So I'm waiting to hear the, uh, the explanation and how we and, do that. 
Yeah, and also the specifics, right? Which actual exercises? Yeah, because when I do load that, now I do load the spine. I do uh, some some light shrugs and and things yeah. like that. And um, and you're you know what? And, I, you're, and you're lifting that, ain't, and you're doing cross core. That ain't nothing. Yeah, but you know what? I can feel it sometimes after, and it's like I feel like I loaded do, my do spine. You, do you do any lat work? Do you do any like like ro like cross core rows? Yeah, I do all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. well, that, that that's good spine work there. Was the bent over row a, a problem before you, when you were able to do it at the gym? Did that bother you when your butt's behind you? Yeah, the bent over row with just the barbell, not on the machine or anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you know what? I those always. I mean, I did those for a long time, and I was like you. I you know I went real heavy and all that. I I always it it, it would bother my back just a little bit and. Um, I always thought, you know what? These are great. These are a great exercise, but I feel like I'm wearing my lower back out before what, I. I'm what was your What was your out. What was your favorite back back movement? Favorite lat exercise or, or any back movement? <clears throat> well, the bent over rows were, uh, you know, they're always a favorite. But like I said, it wasn't always the best on my lower back. But just a row exercise or a seated row with the stack machine or a. You know, like an angled row with uh, like a hammer machine or something like that. T-bar row. I love all that stuff. Yeah, sorry, I, I liked, sorry about that. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. We're having the combo. No, I liked the uh, the hammer type uh, angled yeah. rows, you know, the plate loaded <clears throat> stuff, because you're taking all this stress off the lower back and just primarily isolating the upper back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. All right, now so, let's get back to the Ryan question. Loading the spine. Should we do it if we have, um, um, you know, bulging discs, um, things like that? Because I've got three of them. So I try not to load the spine too much. I don't want to further compress those discs because I was just telling Marty, you know, I still do some, some shrugs and things like that. I'm real careful. I keep the spine erect and aligned when I'm doing it and try to be very careful to use the legs and everything when I bend back over to put the dumbbells back or whatever. But I could still, after I still feel like I loaded the spine, you know, I, I feel it. Yeah. You, you, you can load the spine. It's just about how much, right? It's, it's at what speeds, at what loads, uh, in what positions, um, and how much recovery do you have between loads? So I, I, everybody to me needs to train, squats, lunges, hinges, pushes, pulls, carries, because you have to do that stuff in life. So if I make you avoid any sort of compression in the gym, but you're doing it in your day-to-day -day life anyway, um, you know, that doesn't make any sense. So it's just about finding exactly what you're prepared for at that moment and then slowly building it up because you will build tolerance to compression if you gradually force your body to adapt to it. Um, which is why I like the Brian Carroll story. It's like, well, according to those fractures in his back, it's like you shouldn't do anything, but ultimately you have to, you have to live. You just have to figure out what was appropriate and then build it up slowly. Nothing is off the table in my mind. Right. So with, comp with a compressed disc, even with minimal load, are you still somewhat doing damage by compressing it more or because the load is minimal, you're okay and you're functioning? So you're not you're not causing compressed discs heal discs heal uh broken bones heal uh everything in the body will heal in the right environment so uh 
you know, you can, you can load it. It's, it's not an issue. It's not going to cause further damage. It's if you load it too much without the proper recovery, that's when it's an issue. But if you keep loading it gradually, you can handle more load. Okay. And that's pretty much what I'm experiencing. You know, you just know where your threshold is and try to respect that and just try to, you know, make gradual gains just, uh, and always that, you know, it's always about form and safety and all that forefront. So, you know, just be exactly. very mindful. Exactly. And, and yeah, and that's, and, and that's the, that's why I like learning from uh, strength and conditioning coaches and, and you guys is it's, you, it's just applied to a different population. The, the key is you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if your legs can squat 600 pounds, but your back can only handle 500, then guess what? You should only squat 500 until your back's up as, as strong as what your legs can handle. Yeah. Yeah, well, let me tell you, buddy. We've got anybody squatting 600. They don't have no problem with 500 pounds. <laughs> In the gym, do you see that you make you wince? Or, you know, somebody, oh, my God, I wish that person wouldn't do that. Oh, you know, like, what exercises do you see that people should not do in general? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big uh, proponent of the basics. I mean, I don't see why you need to do any uh, fancy exercises. Like, I see people doing backflips and, and, I don't know, crazy, like, multiple like crazy amounts of like bands and chains. Well, you know, bands and chains are fun, but, but like when it's done to a point where it's not, you know, either move more weight or move lighter weights faster. Uh, so you can handle more stress in your body uh, or repeat efforts at a high intensity so that you're, you're, you get transfer into your life. I don't, you know, I, I just like the basics. I don't really. Brian, should, should we, uh, should we perform barbell squats on a resistance ball? <laughs> Oh, man. Come on, man. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely not. I, that's like a circus show. Believe it or not, you know what's funny is that every so all, every few years, a new exercise will come out. Everybody will go, "Oh, this is the key to to back pain," or this, you know, like a reverse hyper, uh, for instance. And whenever I did them, it crushed my back, man. I just wanted to go squat. I was like, "Why am I doing this?" Well, I think Stu had some problems with that device. Did he? Did he? Uh, and, 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 you know, like you said about backs, it's just a very individual. A lot of people be, oh, this feels so good. And, oh, I, I seem to get a lot out of it. Um, but it seems like if you can teach somebody how to squat or deadlift, you don't need to do all that other stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, you should, start, you should start with that. And you should also have um, archetypical techniques. You should also have benchmark techniques. See, we're very strong in that. We have, we have real rigid techniques in all of the four key, well, the five key, well, yeah, let me get with the main lifts. And everybody tries to uh, attain those benchmarks. You know, everybody's off, right? My knees still go a little forward. You you know what I mean? But you just, you you strive and you get better and you work at it. So we work on our, always working on our techniques and that keeps us safe. The techniques that we've selected uh, well, they were handed to me, right? You know how damn old I am. <laughs> so uh, I inherited them, and uh, they're they're safe. But they're, if you look at them, they're architecturally sound. A lot of straight angles. You know, our squats are all about legs. We don't do anything to get around 
squats being pure legs. There's no, you know, or, or deadlifts or again, beautiful combination of legs and hip hinge, both, right? Uh, you know, our benches, we use that, that Fantano arc technique, overhead press. There's five completely separate and distinct variations of the overhead press. So again, and, and not, you know, it's like looking at Barishnikov do a, some sort of a leap, right? Just because you do ballet, I mean, you might strive for it, but, and you will get better by trying to, to mimic that perfect technique and you'll stay safe. You get out, yeah. the, the injuries seem to happen when you get outside the technical boundaries. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, they're just more efficient in terms of transferring force from the floor through yes. the trunk, yeah, the hands, and yeah, and everything's in action. Yeah, it's hard so, as hell. It's hard as hell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, per I think purposely. That's yeah. where the and that's where the muscle and strength is, right? Hard as hell. So that's where the that's where all the gains are. Sorry. Yep. Yep. And. And, you know, back to what Jim was saying in terms of, like, back extensions and, and reverse hypers and stuff like that, it's – I don't think we can say black and white that that those are necessarily good for you or necessarily bad for you. I've met people that that really helps them, and I've met other people, like yep. Jim, you said, it, it hurts. So I wouldn't throw either one of those under the bus, but I will say that ultimately you should still – because squatting is, is uh, deadlifting and, and pushing and pulling stuff is part of what you have to do in life. Like I'm still going to expose you to that because I need to give you a higher capacity for those patterns right. than uh, what you have to do in your life. And then if you can do that, then it won't bother you. You have to, you know, do whatever you have to do. Yeah, that's right. Ryan, here's a question for you. <clears throat> what percentage yeah. of injuries would you attribute to an imbalance, an overall imbalance of the body? So imbalance in terms of, of uh, like arm to arm, limb to limb, like that kind of thing? Weaker, weaker lower body, stronger upper body, or vice versa, whatever. Just an imbalance overall because of possible. life situations or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think most – I mean, look, if you're, you're talking about uh, – to me, there's either – it's like traumatic injuries or non-traumatic injuries, right? So traumatic injuries, you know, you crash into something, an accident happens. That stuff just happens. You can't avoid that. But everything else that's like just pain, I'm like, all right, so when did this pain start? You're like, oh, it's like I was doing something I'm normally doing, whether it's training, moving about their life, taking care of a kid, picking stuff up, whatever. That to me is, is what I would call imbalance. And I wouldn't say imbalance of muscles, but I would say it's imbalance of what you're capable of doing and what you're trying to do. Like you're trying to uh, – uh, you don't have the capacity for the demands in your life. And that's what I do. I, I don't – I don't focus so much on, I focus on the nitty gritty, but ultimately I try to raise people's capacity over any demands in, in their life. So I think a lot of almost all injuries that are non-traumatic occur from that. Yeah. From not being strong enough. Or fast. If, if, if you're trying to move fast and you're not fast, you know, if okay. you're, if you're trying to uh, lift something heavy when you're not strong, if you try to have a repeat effort, like whatever, you have to do something over and over again. Like, let's say you're trying to prepare for 
a marathon and you try to run 10 miles when your body only has the strength and the capabilities for five, yeah, it's going to hurt. It's not that running is an issue. You're just trying to do too much, you know? Yeah, well, Marty has that perfect story where his dog took off and he had been doing his sprints on the hills and and in the woods and he couldn't get after the dog. So he's like, hey, now I've lost that. I got to get that back. Oh, I had, yeah, I've, I've been doing my little uh, sightseeing kind of jobs, you know, you get out in the morning, kind of, ah, you know, put the music on, kind of trot around. It's all scenic, but I had occasion where I had to hit it. I had to chase after a dog who was going after a guy and another dog, and I couldn't do it. I was like the unoiled tinman in The Wizard of Oz. When it, when it came to really run, I, I'm just like, I mean, like, uh, uh, uh. I said, wow. Because yeah. I had been a good runner. I'm built long for running. I have short legs. But I had I had done a lot of running, a lot, a lot, a lot of running, uh, all, all up for the first 20 years of my life. I just assumed I had it. Uh, guess what? I didn't. <clears throat> it was funny. I had to ease back into it. For some reason, I was relatively fluid running backwards like i would sprint backwards for 10 or 15 yards and i could i could power into that and so that was sort of the how i got back into it but now um with the weather being good i will run i can only run all out i will do two all out sessions a week i do eight uh 50s eight yard dashes man and I do that twice a week, and I have I would do more if, if I recovered more. But I, you know, um, I find I will have two rested hundred percent efforts a week. Yeah, that's enough. And I limit it to eight, and that for some reason that's the magic number. Yeah. Uh, Dan Johns mentioned it to me. Then I read in some book some other guy said eight, and I said, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> and I found that eight seems to work for me. And I, you know, you get better with each one right because you don't we sprint in such a i don't want to get too far into this but you only really hit it for like the last 15 yards your sprint you kind of build up to 100 percent everything you have and then when you when you're running as fast as you possibly can you're not going to last more than i don't know four to eight seconds no matter who you are yeah, you're talking about hitting top speed after accelerations. Uh, yeah, that's about all the ATP you got. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so anyway, but it's just, yeah. you it's, just uh, I don't even know how we got on to, on to the all that, but yeah. it's, an, it's I, I find that the sprinting goes perfectly with the, with the weight training. Uh, and I tell you what, I was a hell of a lot slower uh, three years ago than I am now. That's, that's amazing. I think more people need to hear about that because a lot of people think that uh, after a certain point, you just can't improve. And it's, it's, it's just not true. You know, there's studies that show that like 16, 70 year olds in, in, uh, can yeah. re- reverse 15 <laughs> years of sarcopenia in just three months of resistance training. Oh, it's easy to get good when you suck. <laughs> hmm. that that that's, the, that's the quote of the, the pod. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. There's a good uh, there's a good article we just put up that Marty wrote uh sprinting and resistance training obtaining the subtle balance. Just together like ham and eggs like Mick and teeth, you know. <laughs> That's exactly. It right. does it it does it does wait. Yeah. Uh also I'm not doing the all in one day now to switch it up what I'm doing 
is I'll do uh, a lift a day and spread it out. So I might squat on a day where I'm not going to run hard, right? You know, and, and, and so you spread it out. I'll, I'll run, I can run hard in a day that I'm going to bench or overhead press because it's not going to interfere, right? I love, I love that. You know, see, so you have to balance out the training split in such a way that there's no conflict. You can't, you will not have a good sprint day after you crush it in squatting that morning. Yeah, I, I think that's, those are the subtle but really important training principles that are overlooked because too many people in my world, they focus on what we call motor control, meaning they don't want to work on sprint mechanics. So they want you to, to do this and that. But sometimes it's like, if you just train hard and at the right intensity with the right rest periods, you spread it out the right way, you're going to get better. Even if your mechanics aren't perfect, and people chase the mechanics and they have no intensity and they end up going in circles forever, wondering why they can't run fast or run hard or everything always hurts when they do it. Well, what got me coming back for more is I get that same hormonal buzz at the end of an all out sprint that I get from a top set. And after, well, after eight of them, the I get the hormonal tsunami, the adrenaline, the serotonin, the neoephrine, what else, Jimmy, the, the, the endorphins, all the stuff coursing into my body. And again, you're in an advanced meditative state, right? And it's, it's got to be that, that all-out effort. I've just finished eight all out efforts. I've run as fast as I possibly could without hurting myself. Now, at any point, if I feel any kind of a twinge, it's over. I'm done. Yeah. And, I'll, and I will be done for that day. Not, yeah. No, we're not going. No, we're done. Uh-uh. I'll learn that. It takes a while. You know, it's funny because just talking about recovery again, we'd have, let's say, we'd be going to football camp and we'd max on a Saturday in the squat. And it's probably the clean, too. And so the football coaches would say, so they can do their sprint test in the afternoon? I'd be like, no. And they'd say, why not? I said, they're going to pull their hamstring. Okay, we'll do it the next day. Nope. No. <laughs> they're going to pull their hamstring. You can do it, but here's what's going to happen. Yeah. And they'd get down to about four or five days, and I'd say, okay, you know, now we'll be okay. You know. <laughs> they'll, have, they'll have fresh hamstrings yeah. to run on, and maybe they'll set some PRs. Yeah. They're not going to set any PRs if you make them run. Yeah, after you've crushed sorry not gonna happen but we learn these things we learn how to space these things out and and i we would love to get some sort of interaction going with your world right uh i love craig craig's got you know he's amazing uh amazing guy uh, he's based in la and, uh, you know, we'll get him on. In fact, we should get, if we can, I guess in this day and age, we could probably get both of you guys on, right? That would be an uh, amazing honor. I would love that. He's, he's, a, he's a talker, so he's, uh, he's going to be able to share. <laughs> he's going to be able to share a lot of really. Yeah, amazing. well, we're not putting up with any more filibuster guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, love, I, I love this conversation because, uh, I think we're, we're learning that what you guys are doing applies to uh, everybody and that if we can make it a more mainstream and normal thing for, for people to not be scared to push their intensities, that they would get so many health benefits. It would help with pain. Understanding uh, these things would remove disability problems. 
Um, we just got to teach people how to do it. I, I don't think it's common knowledge because I've spent a lot of time and money in, in big universities and fancy educations. And I didn't, I didn't learn any of this stuff. Yeah. And it's just like nutrition we talk about. You, you assume people know these basic tenets of strength training and nutrition and they don't. They have to be taught. And you just you assume because you're so engulfed in it that everybody knows the basic stuff and, and they really don't. Right. Yeah. Amen to that. I don't know if we can top that, JP. <laughs> I don't know either. I was going to ask you. Have any Ryan, let me ask you. Talk about JP. Anybody yeah, else? let me let me ask Ryan just real quick. Besides the barbell, obviously, what are some of your favorite tools right now? You're pretty basic, right? So it's probably dumbbells, kettlebells, and I think you exactly. said something about you use chains. Uh, no, I mean I think my main things is sprints, kettlebells, barbells, like. There's, you know, they're going to address different uh, qualities that humans need. And, um, you know, that's, that's basically it. You're using bands or, you know, everybody using bands and doing the different uh, groundwork with bands and things. You do any of that? Uh, I've learned it. I used to do more of it, but I realized that if I got, most people don't need that kind of stuff, but um you know, sometimes people want to, like, if I have to use fancy stuff just to trick people into doing what I need them to do, sometimes yeah. I'll do it, but I'll, you know, it's not like a staple. It's not like, I don't need bands to get people where they need to be. Right. Yeah, there's so much, uh, you know, and as somebody that sells equipment, there's so much stuff out there you just don't need, you know. So we try to sell a lot of the basics, which is, you know, iron company, free weights, you know, barbells, dumbbells, uh, kettlebells, everything else. So bands. I agree with you. I mean, I've got, I'm looking out my window at the, the, uh, the flower mound Mecca of bodybuilding and all of it. I've got, you know, cause I'm doing all this training in my backyard and, uh, you know, I got some, I got a barbell out there. I got some plates, a couple of kettlebells and uh, a dipping belt. And man, that's about all I got. I got that cross core that's hanging up. But that's you're like, it. you're like Arnold in 1965. <laughs> Going to okay. the woods. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. yeah, we don't need fancier equipment. We need better understanding of how to use what we have. Yeah, that's right, buddy. That's right. But where yeah. are you based out of, Ryan, if people want to get in touch with you? How's that work? Uh, I'm in New York City. And I'm uh, oh, in Manhattan, downtown Manhattan. Yeah, 14th and 5th. And you, yep. uh, your website is reloadpt.com. So what are you guys doing over there? Are you doing... Uh, physical therapy you're doing now that's that's new york new york right that's yes sir yeah you guys we do doing a big therapy. high rise or something uh so I, we're at a, a performance gym called performance house we rent mm -hmm. space out of there and uh we do personal training small group classes and um uh, physical therapy so pain and injuries do you do virtual stuff now too yeah we had to uh, adapt and and because you know we're, we're so we're really into coaching. Like we don't like to make ourselves a big part of it. So we don't have to do a lot of hands-on stuff. We just coach people virtually and it works. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Which is probably pretty close to as effective as them being right there. Right. Yeah, it is because I don't, I don't do a, a ton of orthopedic tests, like putting my hands, moving your hips around because you know, that doesn't tell me what I need to know. I need to know. Yeah. I can watch that and see what I need to see. Yeah. 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 So, 
So if people want to uh, contact you, they can go to reloadpt.com. And then let's see, what else? You said you have a seminar or something coming up? Yeah. Uh, the Workshop? Yeah, in Alexandria, Virginia, September 12 and 13. Uh, Darius Gilbert, who was the host of, where I, uh, of the gym where I met uh, Marty, a dynamic sports performance uh, in Alexandria, he, he and uh, the Reload PT team is teaching uh, kettlebells for sports performance, helping rehab professionals, chiropractors, trainers, physical therapists, sport coaches, uh, just kind of learn how the, the fundamentals of a lot of the stuff we talked about today. That's great. You got anything else coming up? Anything else you want to plug? Um, well, Dr. Levinson, uh, who I work with uh, at First Principles of Movements, the courses we teach, we're doing uh, online mentorships right now, uh, 12-week programs where we meet weekly with uh, coaches, clinicians, and we just teach them how to apply this stuff. And um, so, you know, if there's any coaches or, or, or PTs or chiropractors that want to learn how to use the stuff we're talking about, um, they can reach out and, and we'll get them on there. All right. Very cool. We'll check out all that. In the meantime, check out Marty's weekly column raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. You can also pick up Marty's books, purposeful primitive and strong medicine at iron company. My, uh, wife, my, iron, my yes. wife tells me that I'm supposed to mention what's the other thing they use Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, Instagram is just at uh, reload.pt or dr.ryanchow. Um, you can find right. us on there. No, now watch this. Marty, what's your Instagram address? Uh, Stacy's <laughs> not here right now, so I really can't tell you. www. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't it. Uh, all right. Well, just type in Marty Gallagher. You'll yeah, find it. Yeah, find it. The Marty Gallagher. The, Marty Gallagher. <laughs> the yeah, Marty Gallagher was taken by some uh, <laughs> some. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have somebody to else. I'm gonna have to dispatch some of the boys. <laughs> and uh, visit Iron Company for all your gym equipment and flooring needs. We've got power bars, Olympic bars, dumbbells, kettlebells, flooring, you name it. Check us out. And then we've got, uh, finally, we've got new Jim Steele articles going up on a monthly basis. And you can check out his website, BassBarbell.com. That's B-A-S, Barbell. What's, what's your latest there, uh, James? It's called One and Done. Picking, your, picking an exercise, working it to death, and going leave and go pounding the Budweiser. Just love it. Just, just. That's right. <laughs> You know, again, that's that's what I'm doing too. You know, so we just go in and uh, I will do. I like to do push pull, so I might do like I don't know bench and identical grip pull down, right? Or uh, overhead press and behind the neck pull down, right? Or behind the neck press and, and wide. Yeah. So and again, why not? That, and it takes. I'm done in 15 minutes. How long does it take you, Jim? Never more than 30, no matter what. Uh, and it's a great body shocker as well. Yes. You know, your body is going like, what the hell are you doing to me, you know? So uh, it's it's good, too, because the next day you could really understand, yeah. you know, where, where you're 
what muscle you you know what muscle what you part of it you muscle. get what part of the yeah muscle? what part because uh, you're now sore in that one yeah uh, now area we're from now, that now we're talking about the specificity of muscle targeting yes yeah so if so, you're doing preachers 10 sets of preachers you'll feel that in lower biceps right? oh you should if you don't you got a problem then you're doing them wrong baby uh-huh <laughs> All right, cool. All right, guys. Look, we got to cut out of here. We're yeah, going man. on like two or Ryan, three hours or whatever. Ryan. Really great. Really appreciate it, Ryan. Yes, sir. We appreciate it. That was great. Uh, I'm honored, seriously honored to talk to you guys. You guys are super accomplished guys. I, I'm just starting out in my career. So I appreciate the guidance, the opportunity. And I can get Craig on here if you guys want it. We can do yeah, that yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Let Craig, we'll let Craig listen to this first to get the feel and the flow of it. Then we'll get both you guys on. We'll pick, we'll pick something, uh, something that we can all get a piece of. Awesome. All right, guys. All right. All right. Thank, thank, you. Thank, you. thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Bye.